0: Back in 2009, I was hosting a large church youth retreat with at least 60 teenagers. At one point, probably around 10 o'clock at night, they came to me and said they wanted to play hide and seek all over the building. We set a few boundaries like don't hide in the bathrooms or the church office, but other than that, I let them scatter for their game. At one point, they decided that they wanted me and the other youth advisor, Alan, to be it, so we began scrambling for a place to hide. Before we had time to find a place, we heard the kids coming. We were near the kitchen, and we knew that we had no other place to hide, and the only place to hide in there was this big cubicle thing with doors that housed the two big industrial sized trash cans. Now, they had been taken out and the whole place had been sanitized a few days before, I knew that, so we took out the trash cans and we put us inside. Well, I thought it was a great idea. Nobody would find us in there, and that became the problem. You see, the garbage smells had seeped into the wood And Alan had worked up quite a sweat in a game of dodgeball just before this. The longer we were twisted into pretzels in that cramped little space, the worse the combined smell of sweat and garbage became. Now there were two holes in the top of the cubicle so that people could toss in the garbage. And everything in me just wished I had a pole with a little white flag on it that I could push up through that hole and surrender, but alas, I didn't. And finally, we heard kids come into the kitchen. I couldn't stand it anymore, so accidentally on purpose I shifted a little bit in the space we were in, creating a noise so that they found us. I can't remember being so happy to be found. Knowing that we are found by God. We are known. We are loved. Is it the heart of the parable that Jesus tells to the scribes and the Pharisees who are upset with him for having meals with folks they think are sinners? To our ears, they concern, their concerns don't seem to make any sense. Why should it matter to them just who is at the dinner table with Jesus? The thing we might not realize is that in the Jewish faith, both then and now, sharing a meal together is one of the ways to celebrate faith and to honor God. Think of the special prayers and the lighting of the candles at every Shabbat meal and all of the customs surrounding the annual Passover meal. I've been at homes of friends for both and they are beautiful, meaningful customs. They serve as a reminder that God is present in the everyday parts of our lives. Now, in Jesus' time, people who the scribes and Pharisees called sinners are not the same way we just talk about everybody being a sinner in need of God's love. They were talking about particularly notorious ones, people who had done unquestionably bad things often and repeatedly like the jewish tax collectors considered to be traitors who were hired to get money from their own people for taxes to give to their roman oppressors when the religious leaders see jesus eating with such people it feels to them like he is condoning what they have done thumbing his nose at god while you and i might understand that jesus um, to have a di- has dinner with these folks out of love and compassion we have had to admit that it isn't easy for us to follow Jesus' example here. After all, we tell our children to choose their friends wisely, don't we? To be careful around bad influences. I guess we aren't that far from the thinking of the scribes and the Pharisees. Wanting to help them and us learn to stop worrying about who is a sinner and who is saved, and to start celebrating the wild generosity of God, Jesus tells three parables about being lost. This first is today's scripture about the sheep. He starts by asking them, if you had a hundred sheep and one got lost, wouldn't you leave the 99 to find it? Well, no, would be the answer in the heads of those listening that day. From a practical standpoint, much less an economic one, it doesn't make sense to take a chance of endangering the whole flock in order to rescue just one. Of course, Jesus is really talking about people here, so while the story may not be good business, it is good news. According to Jesus, from God's perspective, the flock is incomplete when even one is missing. That is indeed good news when we're feeling like lost sheep, isn't it? If we're honest with ourselves, there are times when we feel a little lost or even a lot lost. It can feel like we're on a craggy hillside or a deep ravine alone and panicked and fearful. Maybe we've done things we can't undo, somehow hurt others or hurt ourselves, made a reckless choice, or found ourselves caught in behavior patterns that we can't seem to break. We are told again and again that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven, but we can have a harder time forgiving ourselves. The emphasis in Jesus' ministry is not about pointing out our sins, but in rescuing us when we are lost. An Episcopal priest named Mike Marsh puts it this way, the starting point for Jesus is grace, searching, not blaming, finding, not punishing, rejoicing, not condemning. The first question for Jesus is not one of sin, who's in, who's out, or who gets a dinner invitation. For Jesus, everyone is in. Everyone is invited. The first question and primary concern is one of presence. Have we shown up? Or are we lost? Are we missing? With our legalistic minds, we might assume that God is primarily interested in the mistakes we've made, but God is most interested in a relationship with us. Sin can be a symptom of lostness, but the righteous can be lost too. It doesn't just happen when we have done something wrong. After all, the sheep in the parable isn't lost because the sheep did something wrong you can feel lost when grief overwhelms you when illness frightens you when a relationship is troubled or ending when you're lonely or confused or afraid maybe you're at a good point in life when you find yourself suddenly questioning where you've been and where you're going to go and if there's any purpose in it all The good news here is that while you can feel lost, you never really can be because God never gives up on you and will keep running after you wherever you go as long as it takes. If you just turned around, you'd see that Jesus is right there ready to scoop you up in loving arms. When I was 12 years old, Hurricane Agnes hit my hometown of Richmond, Virginia. Our home was just up the hill from the James River, which had crested at 36 and a half feet. As you can imagine, bridges and homes were swept away. We heard on the news that a little girl just a few blocks from us had gone missing, and neighbors were out everywhere in the driving wind and rain, risking their lives to find her and bring her home. After the storm had passed, she was found alive and well in somebody's storage shed. Apparently, she had seen the family dog run out of the yard, probably scared from the storm, and she went after him and then got lost herself. Eventually, lost and afraid, she found shelter in somebody's tool shed where she and her dog were later found cuddled up and asleep. I didn't even know the little girl, but I remember worrying about her. I remember being so relieved that she was found. And then I saw a picture in the newspaper of her reunion with her mother who held her in her arms, and I remember the look of absolute joy on that mother's face. God is filled with joy and delight, we are told in this parable, every time even one person who was lost is found. There is joy in heaven when even one turns around toward God again, accepting the love that is waiting to enfold them. Anyone who is lost is worth everything God has to give. God doesn't see you as a lost cause or not enough value to be rescued, but as a beloved child. God sent Jesus into the world to help us understand that. Jesus took the risk of sharing that message, not only through the words he spoke, but through the life he lived, and even when he realized it was leading him to a cross through the way he died. How can we give up on others or give up on ourselves with that kind of love chasing after us? Just maybe Jesus is urging us in this parable to act a little bit more like that shepherd too. We gather together in here to worship God, to learn and be strengthened and renewed so that we can go out there to seek the lost and the broken. After the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center that came when the Twin Towers fell, one of the people whose story stood out to me was a man named Wells Crowther. This 24-year-old equities trader who worked in the South Tower also happened to be a volunteer firefighter. He sprang into action to help others who were injured and lost and afraid. The plane had hit that tower between floors 77 and 85. Amid the chaos and the smoke the fire, the falling debris, and the screams around them, you can imagine the confusion and the panic. Wells would lead people down a stairwell and then go back, climbing those stairs again and again to find others to rescue. He kept at it until the tower collapsed and took his life. From the documented reports of those he rescued, he personally saved at least 18 people. At one point, he had covered his mouth and his nose with a red bandana to keep them from, to keep himself from getting smoke inhalation. So he was easy for them to identify when they were telling who rescued them. He had carried one badly burned woman down 78 floors. He administered first aid and in one area he directed everyone who could to stand and then asked all those who could stand to help the people who couldn't. While few of us will ever have the opportunity or the ability to care for so many people who are lost, God can use us to find others in different ways, and it can be easier than we realize. Once when I was visiting a woman who had advanced dementia, I found that she could no longer even put a whole sentence together. She seemed completely bewildered and afraid. At one point, she let me hold her hands to pray, but I wasn't sure she even understood what I was saying. Then it occurred to me to say the Lord's Prayer with her, because maybe it would stir up something in her memory. Not only did she remember, but she said every word perfectly with me. For at least those few moments, I believe that she, who seemed lost to those around her, knew that she was not lost that she was loved by God. Do you see how simple it is for us to reach out to the lost? You and I are called to notice and care for and love the lost people in this world in every way that we can. Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners when he healed the sick and brought good news to the poor. He was letting us know that God is wherever the lost sheep of the kingdom can be found. Every person is precious. Each of us is valued. Each of us is seen by God as someone worth rescuing. The definition of repentance even is to turn around, just to turn back to God. Far from being about beating ourselves up and feeling worthless, it means accepting the love that refuses to give up on us. And when that happens to anyone... When even one person is restored to God, there is pure joy in the heart of God, and giddy angels sing. Thanks be to God. Amen.